Nobody knows what's going on when we watch the Olympics. We just turn on our TVs and become obsessed with sports we haven't thought about in four years. This is why we made the Ringer Guide to the Summer Games. I'm your host, Roger Sherman. Each day during the Tokyo Olympics, I'll tell you about a different sport, athlete, or storyline. We'll be releasing new episodes every day starting July 19th. Follow along on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts so you know exactly how to watch the Olympics. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host, or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's, that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com as well as The Ringer Podcast Network. We have our new documentary coming on HBO, the first one from our Music Box series that we're going to be doing this year. This is about Woodstock 99. It premieres on Friday on HBO and on HBO Max. In celebration, we did a rewatchables about another momentous thing that happened in 1999. This was a little more positive. Fight Club. Me and Chris Ryan broke that one down. Invited Rosilla to be on, but he decided to do Chad Ford's podcast instead. That's fine. We had taped it earlier in the week, though. Uh, yeah. yeah, That's fine. I, I filed it away. Yeah. Um, we also have, what is it? This is the end week on The Ringer. A bunch of, bunch of good stuff coming on Apocalypse on that as well. Theme. Yeah, well, it's like things that kind of came to an end. You oh. can, all kinds of pieces. It's good. Like the doors. Yeah. Um, coming up. Rosillo's in surprisingly good spirits. Chris Paul's finals run ended. Uh, Milwaukee is super happy. Giannis is a superhero. We're going to talk about all of it next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Rusilla's here. We're doing this the first time we've been in person together since, man, what, uh, maybe March 2020, pre-pandemic. Yeah, because it used to come up. I mean, I, I like the routine. So, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, not that we want to start this with a non-Sixers Ben Simmons after the Bucks just won, but yeah, you've got a big family now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my son has grown eight inches since the last time you saw him, literally. He's unrecognizable. Um, He's like Giannis from, from his draft. 
We thought, yeah, that's true. They showed that Giannis graphic where he grew three inches and gained three? 60 pounds. Yeah, it seems like more than three. So tonight, it seemed like the Bucs were going to win and it seemed like Giannis was going to have a great game. Then everyone on NBA Countdown, they picked the Bucs. Jalen turned around and yelled to 65,000 people. I had my Bucs in six bet. And I'm Hammered, like, I'm screwed. by the way. Good yeah, for you. I'm screwed. I stayed away. I didn't hitch. But uh, this became the Giannis game. This was a Giannis superhero event. He was the story of these finals. He was the story of the last four weeks. He is at a completely different place historically. And I got to say, Rosillo, one of the best finals games I've ever seen anyone play. I was not alive for Bob Pettit. And we can go through some of the other ones Pull from the Bob. past. But um, that was as good as any LeBron game I've ever seen. That was as good as any Larry Bird game I've ever seen. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal performance on a night where his teammates... Nobody was really great other than him. Uh, just Bobby Portis, I guess, was good, but just an incredible performance by a guy who deserved to win the title. Yeah, you know what? I think when it's when you're watching it all, like it just has felt so genuine with him forever. And let's face it, I mean, Milwaukee's an awesome basketball city. You know, Phoenix is actually a great basketball city yep. too. So you felt bad, like when you look at the ratings, you're like, okay, this. But as far as the passion of both of these cities and the fan bases that are like, these are really good basketball fan bases. So. To see Giannis, you know, like everybody's probably wondering, like, hey, how are you doing with the Chris Paul thing? We'll get to that we'll later. We'll get to that. Yeah, because yeah. it's just, you can't do that before what you, you saw from, like, it reminded me a bit of, like, the Dwayne Wade finals for his first title, where it was like, you know what, Dallas just can't do anything with this guy right now. And a lot of it was free throws. And that's the other thing. I mean, I'm not even, I'm not talking about the calls. The fact that Giannis, who becomes this guy that you're like, you know what, how many times can you go to him late in a playoff game because he can't make his free throws? And then he makes them all. I mean, if he's back to normal Giannis, we're going back to Phoenix for game seven. And he goes 17 and 19. And he's just had these stretches throughout this finals where I think it was fair to worry about him in the net series, which I want to get to kind of his timeline of this year and then further yeah. it out in his career. But there's just this genuine part of him that I'm, look, let's be honest. There's certain dudes, if they were running around tonight celebrating a championship, deep down, you're like, uh. yeah. <laughs> and with Giannis... I would think he probably has one of the highest approval ratings of any stars in the league, both by other players and also by just, you know, neutral fans in general. So I'm happy for him. We did. We both discussed this on our podcast over the last couple of days, how this was the best outcome for the NBA in a lot of ways, because it's basically like if you think of the NBA, like NBC in the mid 1990s, where they have friends in ER and they're always trying to get that second spot behind friends. Boston Commons. Suddenly Susan and all those, they're just trying and trying. The NBA, we kind of thought we knew who the stars were, right? And we thought we had Giannis pigeonholed as the certain guy who won the two MVPs and everyone was like, all right, we're good. He's not winning a third one. He was the all-star captain against LeBron, but hadn't even, you know, sniffed the finals yet. And it just felt like, all right, he's, he's kind of a maybe just a, a snitch below, right? And then he completely changes everything. He's the number one guy in the league. He's now the best player in the league. He's the number one asset in the league. I I would say he's probably the most liked player in the league right now. If you're just talking about, you said approval rating. Yeah, like the Q rating. I brought that up in my pod this week. Like they used to do studies on all of us. Yeah. To be like how likable you were and what your positives were and what your negatives were. And look, more so like you and I probably could already figure that out. But yeah, you know, like GMA, you know, the Today Show. They research this stuff. That's why you'll see like certain like really chipper meteorologists have decades long careers because their Q ratings are high because there's just so much more positive about it than there is negative. And for someone like Giannis, it's it's pretty clear that like I just don't think there were a lot of people watching him tonight 
rooting against him. I don't think there are all sorts of Bulls fans, even if we're talking about geographically close, that were mad. I don't think there's a bunch of Miami Heat fans that were mad. There are so many other players that you would just go, okay, there's so many guys rooting against a handful of other names that we can come up with. Hell, even LeBron, that I'd imagine a lot of guys that were just watching that love the NBA were happy for him at the end of this thing. And that's kind of how I feel. I mean, dude, 50 well, points. I mean, this is Will Chamberlain stuff, except he won. You'd think like the fuck this guy theory, right? When somebody's successful... And then the backlash comes and there's the fuck this guy element comes in. If you're at like a bar in Manhattan Beach in two weeks and there's a group of people and they're talking about the finals and somebody in that group is like, you know, what I fucking hate is Giannis. Fuck that guy. It would just so be, you'd be like, you'd what? Be like, what? what? what you, why? Like you'd almost be stunned. It's pretty hard for an NBA player to get to that point. I think Steph got there in the mid 2010s. I think LeBron got there early in his career, like somewhere in the 2008 range. The Detroit series, which by the way, like as you mentioned, this is better than any LeBron playoff game. I I don't know. I might push back a little just because of how special that Detroit game. Well, I just think it was bigger stakes. Yeah, right. Finals compared to Eastern Conference. You got it. You win. But I mean, that was that was just. LeBron going. Well, and the I other mean, thing, I still think that LeBron game where he wore 25 straight points and beating a Pistons team with that. It was that amazing. I think but, that was one of the best playoff performances, but yeah. I, I'm just talking finals. It's not a clinching game six. You're right. Right. There's a different energy in the building for these games and you could feel it. Like we were watching the first couple minutes. That was one of the worst stretches of basketball yeah. I've watched Four minutes. Season. It was like, can somebody call a timeout? Neither coach knew if they were, should be the one Everybody that called the timeout. Everybody was so tight. Nobody could hang on to the basketball. You're like, <laughs> what is this? Like, you guys playing a 21? Right. So. Um, once it settled down and it was clear like, oh, we're headed for this terrible Drew Holiday game. He was one for 11 at one point. It's like, I talked about this on my pod two days ago. This is the scenario for the Suns to win. One of the things that needed to happen was for Drew to suck. He sucked offensively. He was good defensively. And they have the 29-18 lead and they blow it. Phoenix comes roaring back and nobody in Milwaukee is playing well except Giannis. And Giannis just, he just figured out how to play the Suns team. He figured out Aiton completely. He just solved them. It was like watching a receiver torch the same cornerback over and over again, right? He'd go left on him, go right. He could jump hook him. He could just draw fouls. They're putting anyone else on him. He could just get around the rim. And he just figured out over the course of, I think, two rounds, I have more size and strength than anyone in the league. And I cannot be stopped. And I'm just going to, over and over again, hit people over the head. The Aiton stuff is really frustrating, though, because I think, you know, him getting into foul trouble in this game changes everything because they have no depth. They had to go to Frank Kaminsky like for real minutes and be like, hey, can you help us keep this thing alive and bring us to a game seven, which is asking a lot of Frank Kaminsky, especially when you're talking about defensively. Yeah. What I don't like about the way it's called, if Aiton, if they ram into each other like two young mountain goats, you know, that should just be like, there's a lot of physical stuff they're letting go in this series. Um, if but they're this, gonna, if these they're are gonna, the calls LeBron yeah, started but, to get, like, what, six years into his career where he's like, I'm going to the basket, and if you bounce off me, I'm going that, to the free that's, line. that's kind of the part of it where you're like, all right, well, we don't have, like, then there's nothing we can do. And then there's no depth behind him. So when Aiton's out of the game, whether you go back to game three, where I think he only played 24 minutes. But the other part of it, too, is Aiton was terrible offensively. And this is the part of the Aiton storyline where even at its peaks, it was really great. And now you have something that you feel really good about as a building block moving forward if you're a Suns fan. But I think anybody that's really locked into DeAndre at times, like he was, you know, look, I mean, it's his first time ever. He's in a clinchy game trying to keep this thing going. But he was he was bad offensively. I do have sympathy for, though, his defensive stuff because you're basically just ramming into Giannis and meeting him at some sort of collision um, which is sort of initiated kind of by both players. So some people could say and it's Milwaukee's a foul every home time. too. They're, 
Yeah. The refs are the always fouls gonna thing a was hey look, seventeen fouls called in Milwaukee, twenty one on Phoenix, ten he plus was free relatively, throws. Relatively, relatively. Yeah, there, I mean, honestly, I think the Giannis free throw thing. I mean, that's really what this was. Again, if he's normal Giannis from the free throw line, uh, what he did tonight, and then when he got into a rhythm, I actually think he was shooting quicker too. You know, it didn't feel, so well. Here's why you could. I, I'm going to go through the list for you of the greatest kind of closeout games. I think the thing, so he's 50 points, 14 rebounds. He only misses two free throws, 16 for 25, 42 minutes, five blocks. Five blocks, too. And, like, nasty, full effort. And that's the other thing with him, full effort. Like, that play, it looked every, like he got hurt. Right, the Booker play, where yeah, Booker where actually he, finished. He, <laughs> um, and I think that's when you talk about him versus some of the other guys I'm about to give you. It was the two-way stuff. And then on top of it, like, you don't want to go back to Phoenix. You don't really have anyone else helping you. So at some point he realizes, like, if if I don't do this, we're not winning tonight. So there's that factor. Uh, and then the free throws and the fact that over over again, he came through. But the big ones. So Pettit in 1958, 50 points. Game six, the only one of two finals Russell loses. Russell is a sprained ankle, misses basically the whole series, plays on one leg in game six. And Pettit destroys him. And it's why Pettit has to be in any top 25 ever. He's not only one of the best scoring forwards of the last 60 years, but destroys Russell. Injured. He is somebody, historically, when you go back and look it up, he's never yeah. brought up enough. No, he's right. and he's like the Barkley Malone kind of of that era, but actually won the finals. So he's in there. Uh, you have 1980 Magic, famously, no Kareem. Does the triple-double, jump center, um, awesome game. Jamal Wilkes is great in that game, too. You have the MJ-Utah game, 1998, which I still think is the greatest game anyone's ever played because he's got Pippen with the bad back. He's got, we talked about this when we did the whole, all the our MJ content. Um, Rodman's basically an alcoholic at that point. He wins the finals by himself. 2003, Duncan almost had a quadruple-double in the closeout game and just demolished the Nets. I think it's, because it wasn't a great Nets team, I think people haven't given that the respect that it was due. He's just go back and watch that game on YouTube. Then you have the big game, James, in 1988, where he had, I think, 37, 39, something like that, just over and over again delivering. And then there's a 77 Walton game where he's 20, 23 rebounds, like five blocks, and it's just like two-way, his passing, he's controlling all the stuff everything. he did. Yeah. yeah, he's just controlling the game. You could make a case that this was the best one, at least since the Magic game. I mean, I'm sorry, at least since the Jordan game. And it's in that conversation. And that's why this is such a significant night. Wherever you rank it, and it doesn't really matter, and a lot of us weren't even there for some of those games, it's a short list. And Giannis is now on that list. And he's on a list with Pettit and Walton and Duncan and Jordan and Magic. And then James Worthy, if you just want to throw in the rando. Sam Jones had some good ones too. But um, that's why it's such a significant night. It's more than a title. At some point, you're talking about legacy and history, and we're going to have the 75th anniversary coming up. He was not on that list. He was not one of the best 25 players ever. He wasn't going to be mentioned with Shaq and Akeem and Moses. And now he's there, and that's it. That's how it plays out. Yeah, those are the rules, and this is how fragile it all is, too. And if you look at it now, Giannis, 26, 27, I think, at the end of the year, right? Yep. Third player in league history to have an MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Finals MVP um, in a season, and that that's with Akeem and Jordan. All right. So when you start, I made this joke about the Lou Dort Awards because I think offensively we've seen an explosion that wasn't always corrected at certain points throughout the playoffs. This was a grinded out type of deal. So this isn't 50 with like all the bullshit. This is 50, again, 50. Is Hard 50, 50 like right. dunks under the basket, right. reverse dunks, alley-oops. 25 on 25 shots. 
Um, and it's all of the effort around it. And so this is this is something I do think it's important to bring up. We know as a draft pick, and you look at it, you're like, all right, I don't know what to do with this guy. You know, physically he's gifted. He was playing against really, really lower competition. So it was kind of absurd whenever you watched any of it. And I did. I compared it to Paul George at the draft. That's what we thought if he was. Paul we thought George, he was a six foot nine forward. Right. If Paul George was like forced to watch his brother at a junior high game and also <laughs> played in it. Yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. So, and I think even George, who was raw, had had a little bit even more polish, which, you know, is saying something because George was raw. All right. So then, you know, the beginning of his playoff career isn't that great, although, you know, it was almost like retroactively more dismissive because they blew the 2-0 lead to Toronto, which again was a really good Toronto team in like uber Kawhi. They had overtime in game three. Exactly. Yeah. So that could have been an NBA Finals at a really young age here. We're talking 24 for Giannis, all right? So he wins the MVPs in back-to-back -back years, and then last year they get blasted by the Heat, so then you start rethinking all of this. And this is kind of how the, 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 the ebbs and flows of it all, right, with all of these guys before they actually get to this category. Well, now you have that ring and you have it in your back pocket, and you're going to have it in your back pocket for the rest of your career. So it's kind of a tiebreaker. It's the settler. So then, you know, he wins the second MVP, and then they've made adjustments. They're a three-seed. He's still putting up insane numbers, but we're over it now, right? Like the same way we were over it with Curry and back-to-back -back MVP years where it felt like after they blew the 3-1 lead, there's all this animosity now and like the Warriors aren't cool. So now I don't know that Curry can ever win another MVP, even though, again, he got back into the conversation this year. So then when you look at all of the concerns that we had about the Bucs offensive, offensively, which we thought were like totally legitimate, like not attacking Harden, Bud might have been fired if Durant's foot wasn't behind the line. Like, well, we think about we that. both think Carlisle would be the Bucks coach if if I don't Durant know if he would have to him, but go ahead. Well, I think that's what would have happened. I think Bud would have gotten fired, and I think they would have hired Rick Carlisle. And so, think of the other conversations that we were having as you're watching the Durant Giannis series play out. You're like, look, Giannis is awesome; he's MVP, but we can't ever put him in that category with yeah. Durant. Right? Durant went toe to toe yeah. with him, and he was slightly better. And a carryover from last year, like peak Anthony Davis, which isn't cool right now because he's hurt all the time, which makes us forget how insane it is. And I think he's behind Jordan LeBron all time in playoff PER. Yeah. He's third all time in NBA history. I don't know what it is now. Maybe it's down because of the injury, but it was like, look, who would you rather have have to give you a bucket? And you're like, well, Anthony Davis, because there's so much more to him. So that's how fragile this stuff. Right. But that I mean, that's kind of my point, though, is that that's how fragile this stuff was that I think all of those concerns and the critiques and the ranking of being like, look, when a couple of weeks ago when I'm saying like, yeah, we can't really let's remind ourselves to never put Giannis in that group with KD. Now, after this game is closed out and the series is over, that seems like an absurd thing. You just called it his league and it's hard to argue against it, well, even though. Again, that point of two weeks ago, I thought two, two and a half weeks, Four ago. weeks ago. Yeah, right. All right. Well, think the KD thing, though. The reason we thought heading out of that series, the Bucks won, but KD is the best player in the league because it was like nobody else could do what KD just did in those last couple games when he basically had an ice cold Joe Harris, Harden on one leg, Blake Griffin. And it was like, if for, you get a D plus version of Joe Harris, yeah, yeah. It's at any point. So it's like, well, series. the one, the difference between KD and Giannis, leaving that as great as Giannis was in those last couple of games, is like, well, he couldn't. If you flip teams, the Bucks, the Bucks still win, and the Nets don't do as well with Giannis. I think what was amazing about him in this, really, since he came back from the knee, was I thought he reached that Durant Nets level where there was stuff going on with him offensively. Like it was really like watching somebody figure it out. The only experience I can compared to is like if you have kids and you have a kid that in fourth grade is something and then in fifth grade you're like oh shit I didn't realize they could do that now or like fifth grade to seventh grade whatever 
I, it's pretty rare to see somebody in their mid twenties actually add shit like he did. Like LeBron added a low post game as he got older, but he was like, he peaked in 2013, right? He just got kind of better at everything. Yeah. I don't know. He, he caught the ball in the post. I never felt like he was just working. No, I'm, I'm saying he, right. he, by 2018, he, t- he, he tapped into the power, like that famous Warriors yeah. game he had, where he just, he realized how to overpower people, which he didn't know really how to do the first half of his career. But all of it made sense, the progression. The progression that Giannis had in the last four weeks, I think is, is pretty surreal. Because he was somebody that in the last four minutes, I just didn't trust. Then so now game, you're comfortable made... then saying that he is Durant and closing a game because no, of tonight? No, I'm not comfortable with that. I am comfortable in saying that his decision-making in the last four minutes, yeah. his choices How that he made. the passing in game yeah, five pass, of Phoenix? His passing in game five, the right. screens he was setting for Middleton, and then knowing like when to roll to the rim hard and alley-oops, when to like just use his strength when there was no other option. I was really impressed. I mean, obviously impressed, but like, I just didn't think he had it in him. And I know you didn't either because we've talked about him a bunch of times. I didn't think that, you know, he was somebody I still would want, you know, tie score 40 seconds left because, you know, I wasn't sure, especially when you factored in this guy all of a sudden was a massive regression at the free throw line. But I mean, if this is what you're going to give me, then it kind of changes everything. And the fact that like, here's the thing that I always came back to because I think all the criticisms were fair, but. One thing you can always build on is like who's comfortable and who isn't. And I think I think we saw some people throughout this series that kind were comfortable and, and yeah. then not so comfortable all the time. Yep. And with him, there was never a doubt. And it's the thing that I, I love about him. I loved it like back when Philly and, and the Bucks were kind of first going at it with all their guys in some of these regular season games. And I brought this up before, but like watch the way Giannis would go to Embiid and almost be excited to be like, let's see if he can block this shit. Yeah, like, I'm going to just go right at you. So when you have a guy that has that kind of heart, that kind of fight, and then, you know, afterwards, he was so sincere and just it seemed like how much he cared about this. Um, that's that's an incredible, like, personality trait, emotion to build on. And so there's more skilled guys. I mean, let's not let's not freak out too much here. But there is never, ever wavering. That's six straight finals I games. No, are there that many skilled guys like the the. The 360 spin moves he was doing and the stuff he does think, in the air. I think Durant like, at seven seven feet tall, like pulling well, up yeah, dribble yeah, is, yeah. is like as smooth as here's hell. W- here's one guy who made a jump. And it was a subtle jump, but it was a jump. Like Hakeem in the 94 and 95 seasons where he was already an MVP candidate. He was already one of the best players in the league. But in those two postseasons, 94 and 95, he went to another level. Yeah, Like he figured out some... The game slowed down for him in a way that I felt like the game slowed down a little bit for Giannis because it always felt like he was pressing. It felt like there were ways you could stop him. You know, it was like watching a quarterback. It was like Peyton Manning in the 2000s where you're just like, all right, in the playoffs, Belichick's going to come up with some defense to slow him down. Um, Giannis finishes. Actually, let's take a break because I got more stuff to cover. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. 
put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at McLobeUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe Spring. On the way, warmer temperatures, more time outside, more time away from your home. Do yourself a favor. Make sure you're doing what you can to protect your place and get a Simply Safe home security system, comprehensive protection for your whole home, a great way to keep you and your loved ones safe. What if you're going out for Easter for six hours? You don't think the burglars are going to figure that out? That y'all y'all packed up your car at like 1130 on Easter and you drove off somewhere? Yeah, all they need is an hour. I'm not the only one singing Simply Safe's praises. Simply Safe, named best home security system in 2024 by US News and World Report, recognized for the best customer service in home security by Newsweek. Protect your home today. I use Simply Safe and love it. My listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when they sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash BS. Don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash BS. So Giannis finishes the finals. House and I went through all these stats on Sunday. Giannis had 210 points in six games, which puts, which puts him at, uh, at 35 a game for the finals. He was basically 35, 13, and six, which you go through history and it's as good as anything. It's as good as any Shaq season except for 2000 Shaq, 38, 17. It's as good as the Hakeem seasons. It's... It's up there with anything, the two-way stuff. But I think tonight, you know, is his opus. I'm really glad I was saying to you as we were watching it with uh, my degenerate son, I really wanted him to get to 50. It felt 50 just felt like he deserved it compared to 49. Now we could say Giannis is 50. I love the Bob Pettit parallel of uh, Pettit having the 50 famously in 1958, although not famous for anybody under 40. Um, <laughs> or 60. <laughs> or 60. On YouTube, by the way, there's some Pettit footage. When uh, I first saw it, I was like, whoa. And then I called my, you know, I'm like, dad, Bob Pettit. He goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob, you, yeah. The, if you go and watch him on YouTube, there's some running sky hooks. You'll, you'll get. I don't whole, know where I, I, I stumbled on him doing like some interviews and he was just in a room in a chair and he just alpha. Big Southern guy. Total yeah. alpha. So he's the seventh 50 point guy ever. That's nuts. Seven guys. I was trying to think, was that better than any LeBron game I've ever seen? I don't want to turn this into a Skip Bayless, like reason to denigrate LeBron. The greatest LeBron game I ever saw in person was the Celtics game six. Oh, which not game was one against the early. Warriors? Well, I'm saying that that uh, that ended up winning. Oh, okay. All right. Game one in 2018 was the best I'd ever seen him play, but I remember lost. You, you know, this was before we were tight, but like you texted me being like, hey, was that the greatest game? Because I sat here and you were like, I think it's the greatest single game I think I've seen somebody play. But it, I, it was the greatest game I've seen someone play in person. Yeah, okay, that's what it and was. And it was basically, it became him against the Warriors and he almost beat this incredible Warriors team. This game's in the conversation because of the two-way stuff. Plus he won. Because there was a couple moments here where we were like, wow, they're going to lose this? He's going to do this and they're going to lose? Because nobody else, remember it was 192. Portis had that wide open three in the corner, missed it. That's and right. within a blink, all of a sudden it was 196. And then Middleton made the most important shot of his career. Yeah, Middleton's jumper for, you know, his... You asked me weeks ago, like, hey, do you think of Middleton any differently? I was like, well, no, it's kind of exactly what it is. Like, the, the times it's super impressive. I will leave this series being more impressed with Middleton. 
just that there's a there is a ceiling there. And then he hit the shot. He kind of hit the deciding shot to put this one away because Phoenix at 102.96 ran a great play to get Booker free, who was awful tonight. He was bad. And his seventh miss from three, 0 for 7. But that would have been 102.99. And then, you know, Middleton, Middleton good, shuts the door. Good coach bud strategy tonight. He basically was like, oh, let's let Chris Paul beat us. We're going to put uh, Holiday and Booker as much as, as much as we can. We're going to really worry about Booker. We do not want Booker to get going. And if Chris wants to shoot 27 times today, God bless him. Look, I saw it in the regular season because these two teams played some great games there. And um, you could see at times when Booker locked in or uh, Drew locked in on Booker, you were like, wait, this is like, this is that defensive Drew Holiday thing that you're like, oh, wow, like this is really good. And Booker has problems with him. And what Booker never figured out is that when you stop and you don't really know what you want to do, then you're dead. And Drew yeah. got him a couple times. I mean, look, the, the strip at the end of, of game five was Booker not knowing what he wanted to do, right? It was, there was clock, the shot clock was still in play. So he was kind of like, do I go now? Do I not go now? Oh, wait, I should have run more clock. And now I'm like in between decisions. And now Drew Holiday's all over your ass. And in that spot, he was helping. Uh, he had a couple plays tonight. I mean, look, Booker just wasn't good tonight. He just wasn't good. He missed a million shots. Chris Paul, Look, that game four is going to hang on him forever. He was terrible in it. I'm and, not, let's not have that yet. Yeah. Hold the Chris Paul. Well, I didn't know what else we were doing. So I'm. Well, I think the Booker thing, and we saw it with Holiday too, and you have these finals and the recency bias of like, that guy is who he is just because of the way he played the last game. And Booker was up and down. You know, he looks like a superstar. He had two awesome games in a row. But I think it's a lot to ask, really, any two guard to have three straight forty point games. He played forty six minutes tonight too, but that's not why he didn't shoot it well. He was well, three, he was bad the whole night. Three free throws. He wasn't really creating shots. They basically shut out all the side stuff, the corner three stuff, the slashing. The kick. corner three numbers insane for this series. I don't know what the total is going to be for tonight. It felt like. But like, well, what when, do you think they were on threes? They were in the twenties, right? Twenty percent, twenty four percent, six or twenty five. Yeah. 24%. All right. So remember when Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson used to take corner threes? <laughs> remember when that happened? They took, going in, they had taken 30 corner threes total through five games and 17 of them were in game two. And then when you think in your head of like all the snapshot images of the Phoenix offense, you're like, oh, that's right. Like they didn't take those anymore. Like they just, they, I don't know, man. I mean, like we know what else they, they were really good with Jay Crowder open threes. They just made the decision, like, knock yourself out. And, and I thought Chris Paul and Phoenix figured some stuff out here because they figured out, like, a pretty good action with Aiton, and then you could see it in the second quarter. And then they were setting a screen where anytime Chris Paul got Giannis, he didn't want to attack him. I mean, there's a couple times it happened. It was yeah. actually a great shot in game five. He got him once in game six. But they would re-screen it. They would set another screen, and it was kind of screwing Milwaukee up, and you could feel like Phoenix was getting in a rhythm because as we were watching the game, I'm going, like, Giannis is going nuclear here. And, you know, Phoenix was up 47-42. Yeah, where's the, the help? It was 49-42, a bucket into the third quarter. And I'm like, what if Phoenix actually steals this thing? It was, it, yeah, 49-45. Bridges missed that dunk. It was 49-42 in the first, yeah. the first possession of the I third. I had 49-45. Bridges misses the two-hand dunk, which you never see. No. And it did feel like a momentum switch a little bit. And there Brooke was Lopez had a nice little stretch. Flo yeah, he Brooke made a Lopez. couple. He made a couple Bob Pettit like moves. Yeah, there was one thing I wrote down because they came out of a graphic. It was fifty-eight, fifty-five. Giannis had twenty-nine points at that point. 
And they had a thing where the Bucks were without Giannis. Everyone else was two for 19 since the second quarter. So to say that he carried them, there's a quarter and a half where nobody else on the team is making a shot. They made two shots Bill, in a quarter they, and a half. They had at one point in the second quarter, yeah, the non-Giannis shots were one of 15. Holiday was one for 11. What did Holiday finish? He was... Uh, no, he was terrible. Yeah, he was four but for defensively, 19. he's the one that took Booker out. So Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. That's kind of the Drew Holiday they traded for. He's not a consistent offensive player. He can have good nights. And he was a Hall of Famer in game five. Like, <laughs> think was, about some of the And a Hall of Famer in that game six Atlanta. That was one of the best games any guard played in the entire think playoffs. Think about the Nets game where he hit the side of the backboard and you're like, can, I mean, yeah, can again, you give us two minutes? You, you never, like, some of this stuff gets so ridiculous. You're like, well, you're not going to sit anybody. You know, you're not going to run Bryn Forbes as, as the point guard. But, right. I mean, he looked mentally shattered in that Nets game. And then he scored like eight points to close it out. So... We anyway. had a, it was 98-90, Booker missed, looked like Middleton got the rebound, but then Crowder pulls Mauled his jersey, him. mauls him, somehow gets the ball, no call, eight and layup. It's 98-90. Buck stop, Jay Crowder, wide open three, could have been 98-95, misses. Then 192, Portis misses the three, Booker layup, Middleton turnover, Crowder two free throws. Leading to the Middleton clutch two timeout one hundred two ninety six, and then they call a great timeout or a great play coming out of the timeout. Booker wide open three missed it, and that's the game. That was it. Booker uh, just didn't have it tonight, and you know, we'll see. We'll see if he ever. I was thinking about him tonight. Like, will he get this close again in Phoenix? A lot of things came together for that team this year, and they caught a really good Chris season. Who knows how many of those are left? They caught some. Lakers injury breaks and some Denver injury breaks and um, Kawhi goes down before the Clipper series and you just think like this is this might this, this might is the be best it. shot yeah this is, this is the best shot it's like it's, how I felt about the Celtics yeah. last year it's not being unfair um, they get incredibly lucky throughout it but I still you know you want to be respectful because it's like hey sorry we didn't lose more guys you know like what are you supposed to do apologize if you're Phoenix but you're up two zero in this thing and can I just well we'll get to it a little bit later no let's that, do let's do Chris now. Well, the Chris Paul, now the four-blown 2-0 lead thing that's making the rounds, it's such bullshit. And I guess everybody's just going to say I'm like protecting them. One of them is against the Spurs in a seven-game series in uh, 2008. 08 Spurs, right? Yeah. yeah, 08 Spurs. The next time is against Memphis where Blake Griffin played like 19 and 12 minutes in games five and six yep. and was hurt, shot. One of those games, he has four points. The Portland series where they blow a 2-0 lead, guess who got Chris Paul got hurt? Uh, this one's far more egregious because they looked like they were manipulating everything. You know, it looked like between the switches and the drop coverage and then the blitzing that Chris Paul had figured all the things out that they were going to do. Yeah. But as the series developed, the size became a real issue because Aiton was the only one with size. He was the only one. I mean, they were playing Torrey Craig and Cam Johnson at points. Coming well, into game They might have made a mistake not playing Kaminsky from what we saw tonight. Uh, defensively, I don't think he was going to hold up gonna, in this series. I don't know. Frank, Frank kept him in it. Frank's like, look. Frank's like player of the game on the Suns broadcast. Credit the mentality of Frank Kaminsky. <laughs> Frank Kaminsky. He stayed ready. He did not pout. Former lottery pick. Um, look, Milwaukee coming in through the first five games. 31 more field goal attempts. Plus 25 in free throws. Plus 32 in offensive rebounds. 14 less turnovers through five games in Phoenix. They had extra possessions. They had they were killing Phoenix in transition. A transition defense that was the second best all season long for Phoenix. And then they got work there. 
Phoenix's half-court defense actually had done a pretty good job. And then last night, the shot attempts was favoring Phoenix by a couple because, again, Giannis lived at the free throw line. But all of these things that you thought like, oh, and then it just it felt like between Giannis and then the Hall of Fame handoff game five where all of those guys were insane at one point between Drew Middleton and Giannis. Um, this this so, was not an easy team to knock out. You know what I mean? Like when you add it all together, you can yeah. get to the same result with different paths and all these different numbers. But what Milwaukee ended up doing to this team that they were down 2-0 against is like pretty insane considering. Yeah, and then I looked it up for Sunday's pod. It's I think the only the fifth time this has happened with the with the O2 team. Right? Yeah, down 2-0 to win the title. 16 Cavs, 06 Heat, 77 Portland, 69 Celtics. That's it. So they're the fifth team ever. They out-rebounded them. I mean, this is a recurring theme of the series, but Phoenix has 37 rebounds tonight, six offensive. Milwaukee has 53 rebounds tonight, 11 offensive. And I just thought they were bigger. Um, they really never had an answer for Giannis, no matter what happened, other than to cross their fingers and hope Dayton stayed in the game. And he was bad tonight. You know, that wasn't helping them either. That, uh, what was he, one for six at halftime? He was, yeah, he was, a mess. was missing stuff. He just looked kind of like the, it was the first time all playoffs where it looked like the stage was too big for him. And it, it's kind of surprising we didn't have more eight in games like that. But so he gave them nothing. Okay. So let's, Paul was their best player tonight. Yeah. So get back to the Paul thing. Like yeah. what's fair? What's fair about how you'll now feel about him to the six games? Well, I, th I'm stealing a Rosillo thing here because you, you, always get mad when people are like, if somebody didn't play well, then they were tired. But if they played well, then we don't talk about how anyone was tired. Like we kind of pick and choose whatever yeah. narrative we want. And after game four and game five, it's either like he's injured or he's starting to wear down from these playoffs or there might be a little bit, throat's getting a little tight moment, but something's going on because the way he played in four and five it just wasn't good enough, especially considering you got to step on the other team's throat and all the stuff he was doing in the other rounds. And I kind of talked myself into him being injured. He couldn't dribble. Something was wrong with his hand, shoulder. All these injuries are adding up. But he was really good tonight. So how does that explain game four and game five? I don't think, feel like he miraculously recovered over the over the span of three days. I thought in game five, we noticed the same thing. He, he was basically picking his spots and he had like one and a half good quarters in him. He'd give you a half a good quarter and then maybe a good fourth quarter. But he wasn't good enough. And, you know, I think this was an unbelievable age 37 season for him. He did some stuff at that position that we've never seen anybody do before at his age. And I'm not going to ding him on it historically because in the last three games he wore down. But I just think unless we find out he had like a torn rotator cuff or something after the finals, like I, he could have played better the last three games. And it's one of the reasons they lost. Yeah, because when I look back at it, and I know, like I went on in Phoenix and I, I think one of the guys may not like Chris Paul or, or not. He was like, you know, the moment's too big, the moment's too big. And I, I just feel like we, and maybe it was for him, you know, because I can't, I'll get to game four here in a second. But when I look at 41 points and zero turnovers, game six against the Clippers to eliminate them, I'm like, well, how could you be that guy and then have the moment be too big for you? And the way he looked in four, it wasn't just that he couldn't dribble and it was throughout the game. But when he started deferring the campaign to run fourth quarter possessions that were huge possessions, I was that was like, weird. What the hell? The lack going of on? the and lack I'm, of free throw attempts were weird. I mean, right. he had four tonight. He only had three in the previous uh, previous three games, so he had seven free throws in the last four games, which is atypical for him. He's usually at least yeah, he gets you a couple. bouncing off people right. and stuff like that. Um, he was, you know, he was good tonight. I don't think he was great. I think it's a hard team for him to play too because. 
not only do you have the holiday thing, but uh, you've you got a lot of size and you have Giannis and Chris loves having that big get switched on him, right? And in this series, it's Giannis getting switched on him. Not as great for him. No, but game four is uh, is all-time disappointing, you know, and guys can have bad games, but just to see him defer. But, you know, the stats on game five are better, but you watch that whole game. I really didn't think he figured it out until the seemed fourth detached. quarter. Yeah. Seemed a little detached. I thought he was really, really good tonight. I thought he was steady. I thought he had some really good moments. Um, you know, he didn't make everything. He only had three turnovers as opposed to some of the other turnover-prone games. Um you know, but it's interesting. I'll, I'll look, I, in my head though, there's there's some like that game four thing. I'll I'll never I'll never get over. I texted Bob Ryan about it. Jackie and I texted Bob. I was, I was just like, I'm curious. Do you have Chris over Isaiah yet? I trust his list over anybody other than mine. I trust him the most because he saw he was actually there for more hoops than I was, and I think he's the greatest basketball writer of all time. Um, he said he's still at Isaiah a smidge higher because of Isaiah's ceiling in big games. Like there was some sort of thing that Isaiah had, like a sense of the moment thing. That was what made him special. And that's what made those Pistons teams. It wasn't just the two titles. They were in there for four years against some awesome teams. And the biggest thing was like, you know, there were just nights when he could get to a level for him, like what we saw from Giannis tonight. Whereas Chris was always steady, steady, steady. And I think even in the last three, four minutes tonight, I just feel like this set, God, this sounds like an FS1 talk debate. I just feel like Isaiah would have been like, Booker doesn't have it. I've got, it's got to be me right now. And he's just never been that kind of guy. He's never been an, it's got to be me. Yeah, so that's the thing. I've, I'll take this over guy. He's, it's just not in him. That's why that game six against the Clippers, like, all right, so if you don't like so Chris unusual. Paul, you're going, all right, you know, he's a choker, he's a choker. Look, you play in 140 playoff games, you're going to have games that aren't very good. All right, yep. you just are. Um, but what I had said in my podcast, like the the Drew, you know, it wasn't really the Drew, the crossover he falls out against Giannis. Like if they lose this series, that will become his Steph out of bounds oh, pass. Yeah, yeah. Whereas LeBron, remember the turnovers that he had in the Ray Allen game in that last minute? Like he missed two threes, he made a three, but he had he had one horrible turnover. And he it was had like, terrible three. He it bricked was, it. <laughs> it was, he it missed was, it by 10 feet. He was really bad in that last minute. And then Ray, yeah. Val, Ray Allen bails him out. They win a title. So no one ever remembers Despite, it. And Pop so bailed it out. Right. So Pop, not subbing right on the defensive rebound. But like for Chris Paul, I was like, we were, we were now at the crossroads of his game four will either be something everybody forgets in 18 months if they turn around and win this series. Because I mean, yeah. look, Phoenix still could have gotten game four. But yeah, game four is going to bother me. Uh, maybe more than him, which is a little weird. But uh, well, even beyond that, like as in terms of <laughs> tough finals losses, if you're a Suns fan, you're yeah. up two nothing. Giannis is back from the knee, but doesn't seem like he's a hundred percent. And it seems like this whole path is leading toward this Chris Paul victory parade in Phoenix. Like it's just two more wins. We'll lose game three. We'll win game four. It's over in five or game seven's at home. And there's no scenario where we're like we've just won our last finals game after two. They had seven, what they had 17, 23s in game two? 20. 23s in yeah. game two. And I don't think they hit 20 the next four games. Or, but then they lose game five, and they're the only team to whatever lose a playoff game shooting 55 and 60%. Right. 
So the first team in NBA history to lose a playoff game, not a finals game, a playoff game, shooting 55 from the field overall and 60 from three. So they're probably like, I was wondering, does Monty show them that? Be like, hey, look at this. Yeah, this is a good sign. We shouldn't have lost. Like, we're the only team that's ever lost and done this. But, you know, when I was thinking about Paul in the game six against the Clippers, and even in this game, one of the finals, I mean, the guy was unbelievable. He had 32 points, 23 in game two. And you're like, all right, he's good. But was it because he had six days off, five days off at the close of the Clippers series. You know, was that the difference? Well, because what I don't like about the tired thing, and I'm glad you pointed it out, because I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he was tired, he was tired, he was tired. Like, don't be tired. You don't you don't have, like, the right to be tired right now, especially when you had three days off in between all those playoff games. So, yeah, a little bit of a ding there. I think for most people that don't like him, they would hammer on game four. Um, we all know how this plays out. Obviously, um, you know. I also don't think this Suns team, I to me, it's... I feel much better just as a basketball fan. I had no dog in this race. I feel much better about the result that Giannis wins the title. This is the right result. Yeah, yeah. that they were a better team. That Suns team, man, even tonight, their bench is Kaminsky, Cam Johnson, Campaign. And Kaminsky and Campaign actually played well, but they were like seven guys for an entire finals. Yeah, I didn't Payne, really Payne trust a couple of them. Yeah, Payne was actually big tonight, but uh, it just would be hard to believe that this was a team that had this many flaws, that had no backup center after Sarge goes down. But to me, the Sarge and DiFincenzo, that evens out, right? But they just didn't have the depth. I just can't believe they, they didn't blew that lottery big. pick. Yeah. I um, mean, he had, you had a lottery pick who was a big who you couldn't even play in the regular season. Right. So I, I'm, but you know, I, I got to be honest. Like, I think we should call ourselves out here a little bit. This is not how we how were about talking about. This is not how we were talking about the Suns after being up 2-0. So now to say like, hey, like I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I'm not going to say like looking at it now, the Suns team never should have won a title. But it's just not the way it felt after game two. It was like, hey, they have too many options. They have three top 20 players. Right. You know, their three are better than Milwaukee's three. But it was the three. threes. The threes thinking like, they've just figured this out. They're going to make 12 to 23s every game. They have two scores. This, and then the Bucks solved it. And they took away the threes. And then as the series went along, it's like, where are they getting scoring from? Booker had two straight 40-point games and they lost both of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and all the, once the threes went away, they kind of turned into a pumpkin. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, I might have a redo on the eight and top 20 player and thing Drew, after night. Despite, I'm drop that down. Despite the, the amazing game five, surrounded by some not amazing games. Also not a top 20 guy. The effort, you know, when you have a guy like Giannis, who's your guy, yeah. And his effort is at peak. You know, it's at 11 every single possession, it feels like. I think that carries over a little bit. And I think, you know, when you're down 2-0, that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, Phoenix, are they going to come back and be like, hey, we're the ones you have to knock out. And the whole game, it felt like they were going to lose. But Even when they were like, up, it felt like they were going to lose. Just think if Booker just pulls up at the end of game five and actually makes that shot. What are we talking about? You know, it really does feel like it came down to that play as a sliding doors moment. Now, great defense, the whole thing, they made all the plays and they needed to. But um, yeah, it this just feels like the right result just because Giannis was the best part in the series and it wasn't close. It ended up not being close. Yeah. No, not. just that him being the best part That's of the series. I mean. like, no. wasn't I think close. the series is still series close. Was close. This yeah. isn't... But the Giannis if, piece is if, not close. If Phoenix had got it back to game seven and one, say, like, I don't know would that you'd be, be going, oh my God, like, I can't... You know. let's, um, let's take a break and we have some more stuff to cover. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, 
bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. I love the NBA. When game day comes around, win or lose, this is the beer you want. Michelob Ultra, my go-to right now because I'm a light beer guy. Sorry, hate to break it to you. You know, I'll mess around with some other ones, but for the most part, really ever since college, I've been a light beer guy. Michelob Ultra, not only does it taste great, 95 calories, crisp and refreshing. Put it in your fridge. Watch how people just grab it. All of a sudden, they're gone. I also like Michelob Ultra because they're getting fans closer to the game right now than ever before with exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like signed memorabilia and courtside seats. Enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. All right, winners. Winners tonight, bud. Coach Bud I had written down. So goes from in the span of four weeks, I'm about to get fired to I am now the conquering hero in Milwaukee. I will never have to pay nice for a drink ever again. I'm the coach for the next, as long as I want. I'm Carlisle. Carlisle didn't win another playoff series after 2011. Got his job for 10 more years. Bud's there forever. Um, and I don't even know if he would have had a job had they had Durant's foot. Not do we know this, by the way? Do we do we have intel on this, or are we just going with social media wanting him can forever, Coach Bud? I, I'm reasonably convinced that that would have been it for Coach Bud. Okay, that's all I'm asking. Yeah. Um, now he's got another ten years. The Carlisle, the ten year Carlisle bump, win the title, you get to stay for ten years. I know it's kind of like the. Uh, the Kirk Ferentz at Iowa thing. Like just <laughs> yeah. when you think you got to change some things up here, I'll win 11 games. Uh, another winner, Giannis, because this is officially the Giannis game. We had some other candidates for the Giannis game, and there's like the Giannis block game, the the Giannis alley-oop game. There's, but this is now officially the Giannis. This is the Giannis 50-point game. We'll remember this one forever. It's like the magic triple-double in 80. It's the, the MJ last shot game. It's... This is it. He's yeah, got a game. There's no... His moment is the block, but then he trumped out with 50 in the clincher. Yeah, 30 years from now, we're hanging out at Martha's Vineyard, and you're like, yeah, there's this girl I've been talking to, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> um, and I'm like, what do you think the Giannis game was? She's like, 50. Game six. Priscilla, you need to grow up. <laughs> uh, Another winner, Drew Holiday, who... Listen, it's like the quarterback, right? It's the quarterback where a little frustrated by it, but ultimately you won the Super Bowl with them, so all the warts are forgiven. It's better than that because that guy still everybody wants to replace. <laughs> I guess you're right. Well, I guess when you're the third, so I yeah. guess, so maybe you're like the middle linebacker who, I, I don't even know what the analogy is, but... Uh, Pat Connaughton, Max guy, you have that on the list? I have... Well, let's do the Drew Holiday thing quickly because... The Drew thing's totally fair. Like, in, they just won a title an hour ago, right? An hour and a half ago. So... 
you're not allowed to say like, hey, it'll probably be really disappointing at some time still again. No, it it's, will be. it's over. It will you be. win. He was like, I was an NBA champ. Yeah. But the bigger thing is the holiday trade. All those picks they gave up. And it seemed a little reactionary to not getting Bogdanovich. And I liked it. I think you did too. Because if they're going to keep you honest, I don't really care about the picks I always anyway. liked him. But then I was like, man, like what the hell's going on with this guy at times? And then you're like, wait, do you have to give up all your first for Drew? Is that the new landscape? Is I think it was pricing? more like they're thinking it also keeps Giannis here. By the way, wasn't that before the Bogdanovich transaction? I thought it was. I don't remember. Uh, no, it just doesn't matter. Don't I look can't it remember anymore. PJ Tucker wins the title. I actually felt good for him. Um, I like him more than you. He finished it off with another classic PJ Tucker performance. 36 minutes, zero points. How many shots did he take? Three? He was 0 for 1. 0 for 1. I've never seen a team just be like, we're going to go 4 and 5 offensively. And we have this guy in the corner that you kind of have to worry about, but he might actually never shoot. And if he ever has to do anything athletic, he's going to throw the ball off the, the problem is you're putting, you're putting CP on him to save him for all the other stuff you're asking Chris Paul to do. And Drew's just too big for Chris. Uh, yeah. I think with this situation, like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Have Chris Paul chase the offense, you know, chase it. It's worked so, out great for Chris Paul. He barely had to move on defense. But P.J. Tucker. Yeah, but the rebounding part sucked for Chris Paul. He, That's the thing. That's where I think PJ made his money because he was crashing and he was yeah. like, shit, like I got to box out yeah, you're right. PJ That's Tucker. Um, it was a performance that Ben Simmons would aspire to. 0 for 1, some good box outs, some right. good defense. That's basically a couple uh, Instagram posts Simmons after. The reason I bring up PJ Tucker as a winner, not just because he won the title, he's in this horrible Houston situation. This is November. And he wanted out the whole time. Like, he Once didn't go public out, yeah, with please, it. Please trade for me, anybody. He's watching Harden loaf around, 20 pounds overweight. He's watching Wall and Cousins try to... He's watching, by the way, Wall and Cousins call out Harden for <laughs> being a bad teammate. <laughs> and he's like, how did I get here? He's like, and then we get all these G-leaguers that come in and take 20 again. Yeah, Christian Wood's like, where's mine? I need a taste. Um, so anyway, he gets out of there to the best possible team. Partly because fucking Houston trades for DJ Augustine's contract just to get rid of PJ Tucker. It was still one of the most illogical PJ, trades at, I've ever at, seen. At one point, I like, because I, I looked at it, the 450 plus players that qualified, he had the single worst plus minus of any player in the NBA. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'd, saying it was exactly at the time of the transaction, but it was leading up to it. Like he was, if there were 457, he was 457. There's but an again. illusion of good with him. There's no question. Uh, another winner, obviously, Chris Middleton. I had this with House, the the old school sidekick guy. We saw this with Kyle Lowry and Kawhi. I'm never going to be a superstar. You've doubted me a little bit over the years, but now I'm in the right situation and I'm just an awesome sidekick and I might actually come through a couple times late. Hard, hard road to fill. We saw Kyrie was the best version of that in 16. Jason Terry in 2011, the most unexpected. Pau Gasol in 2010, probably... The most expected. How was was, was a great. He should have won Finals right. MVP that year. Sorry, Kobe fans. That sounds like two thousand eight Ray Allen. Yep. Two thousand five Manu, and then going back, you got Andrew Tony, Sam Jones, all those kind of guys. Middleton's up there. Like he's twenty four a game in Mark the finals. Mark Aguirre. Now nah, he was never offensively as important. I mean, Middleton was twenty four a game and game four, game five, game Different six, game. different era. Game four, five, six, big shots. Big shots when they huge, needed them. Huge, huge. You know, didn't look, really when, have other options. Think about that. Like, that's different, though. Like, you're the sidekick and whatever. And, you know, anybody trying to say, like, he's actually the guy. And, yeah, I mean, give me a break. Stop. Um, but that you can have, I mean, Middleton hit the biggest shot tonight, despite what Giannis did. 
And so when you can trust the side guy to do that and do yeah. it multiple times, that's beyond what the numbers are. Like whatever his average is, fine. But like now, like I expect it to go in, especially when it's that side play where you're all your momentum. You were pointing it out earlier. Like, I don't know if people appreciate how hard that shot is just from the physics part of it. Well, Ryan, we both play basketball. Well, right. Now Coming is. off the pick, full speed. Full speed. Stop just you to at get full your speed momentum. Me at full speed off, was half speed. Off of horns. Um, but the your momentum carrying you one way and the ability to square up in the air. It's just like, I, I think it's one. No, you appreciate say. it a lot. I do. I wish I had that skill. Uh, Brooke Lopez, who was in this weird KG, Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson, Darren Williams. He was in that whole world as like the young star and a team overspending to try to win a title. Doesn't happen. Then ends up in hell on a team with no draft picks, bounces around, goes to the Lakers, LeBron, for whatever reason, decides this guy, I don't need him. Let's get him out of here. Goes to Milwaukee, minimal For contract. no money. No money. Wins them back, gets a good deal, but becomes kind of, I, I don't want to say he's playing, not playing out of position, but like playing out of style. I like him so much more around the rim, but on this team, they kind of needed him to spread the floor more, picked his spots, and now he has a ring. And it to me, I would compare it to like the Kevin Love 2016 ring. Because if you actually you go back and look at those Kevin Love stats, like they're not pretty in the 16 playoffs, but he did a lot of nitty gritty stuff. He knew his role, came through a couple times. A little Brooke different though. That Lopez I came through tonight with those Bob Pettit shots. He had a two minute stretch there where I mean he like had a floater at one point. Uh, Lopez is a weird one because in today's modern playoff version of it too, it's like okay, because you know Bud would just abandon him at certain times because he felt like that was the right move, especially defensively, even if he was spacing things out, but you still would want that option, right? And yeah. that's the thing about somebody, you know, it depends on how expensive that's going to get when it's like, oh, how much can we pay for somebody who's only an option and not certainty? Um, but for at least Lopez, you know, when things are right, like I, I also think, you know, when you look at the plus possessions and the offensive rebounds and all that kind of stuff, Milwaukee just outbigged them for a while too. It felt like they were bigger at a bunch a of little like spots. the Lakers last year. Remember with Miami? When oh, they would have yeah, the Davis right. and LeBron, and then all of a sudden Dwight Howard. The guys there, are asking just, for Myers Leonard. Yeah, they're yeah, they're <laughs> just like outsized them. But I think Lopez, the box score will show he was ten and eight tonight. But, but I thought nice he had a couple. Stretch. He had a couple shots at a weird point of the yeah. game when it felt like things were slipping away for them a little bit, and he came through and made some plays. So I'm making him. He a also had some really good off ball cuts. I think he had two. Hmm. where there was one where it was just an offensive rebound. I think there was another one where it was a pass. And, you know, guys just lost him because you don't expect him as a spacer at seven feet to put the effort into crash right to the rim. So I think he had like two of those. And those are important, especially when you're catching somebody else falling asleep, which is pretty much inexcusable in a finals game. Another winner, Jeff Teague. Uh, historic performance tonight. Did two, you have him as the first wake guy? Two minutes, minus five, minus five and two minutes. But it was a gritty minus five. It was, it was uh, they just, he was basically unplayable. And they decided, like, we're not going to play a playoff. But as you mentioned, get, becomes the first Wake guy to win a title over Chris Paul. First Wake point guard. So he's got that going for him. I don't know who cashed that ticket, but congrats. Uh, Mass Holes, I think, were a winner tonight. Connaughton. He counts as a. Yeah, no, he's straight Mass up. Hole. Straight up. Yeah. Is he conquered? Well, hey, we don't we don't need to talk about where he's actually from, but uh, uh, no, he's a Massachusetts guy. Good story, you know. Good high school career. And Van Gunny mentioned his offensive rebounding thirty times in the series. 
And so there were times when he got matched up against Chris. Sometimes Arlington, it was a disaster. Uh, Arlington. Yeah, it's a bad. little gritty over there. Um, St. John's prep, though. Danvers, what's up, kid? Congrats, Sam. Another winner tonight, Julius Hodge. You mentioned. Shout out to the Robertsons. Yeah, Julius Hodge, big winner. <laughs> Mallory Edens. I don't know what her Instagram's capable of tonight, but uh, she's a nice person. I'm excited to see uh, some of her party photos. The Edens Lazary thing was weird. They had that thing where it's like the 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 chairman of the board thing got passed back and forth after five years. Every five years, the other guy. Well, so the whole Edens. thing was weird. Like Zanuck was going to be the GM, and then he wasn't, yeah. and then Horst was, and then you know, look. I don't know. I mean, look, it worked. It worked. Those two guys are financial guys. Going back to the earlier part of the last decade, they have a chance to buy the Bucks. The previous owner is like, you cannot move them. We have to put some stuff in writing. We got to build the arena. We got to do it here. Everyone's a little skeptical. They're going to actually buy into the Milwaukee thing. They kept the team there. That They have great fans, as you saw tonight. And it was a cool thing. That was not the team. There's other teams that should move to Seattle because Seattle should have a team. It shouldn't have been Milwaukee. So they kept the team. It all worked out. And they lucked out with one of the great draft picks of all time. Uh, City Milwaukee, obviously. The Kevin Durant's foot on the line as a winner, just as a great NBA historic footnote. moment. F literally a footnote. But I, I think that's going to go down in history as like this fork in the road of a playoffs, you know? Do you think you're glowing a little bit because it's not Harden Kyrie running around tonight? Well, I was going to say you and I are both winners because the Harden Kyrie, we had to sweat this out for six whole months. <laughs> and they so would, grueling. And they would have won it. And, they, and our Brooklyn fans who, who've wanted this for so long since they got the team nine years ago. Um, yeah, that would have been kind of insufferable tonight. I think there would have been a lot of people rooting against that. So I think you're glowing a little bit. I think you have a little Giannis glow because it's a non-Nets glow. Greece, big winner. Big winner. Took a hit with Haral Bob and he got thrown into some of that Dallas stuff. That was a tough basketball time for Greece. Um, he'll be back. Yeah, and they then had a Giannis, there. They didn't pay their taxes. Right. The whole country. That was tough. And it was just understood. It was like a cultural thing. And, and now Giannis. There was like a train thing. There was. This is all in the book Boomerang. You should check it out. Don't get on me. This is not a tax segment. <laughs> Malika Andrews gets all of a sudden doing Huge the trophy winner. presentation Huge tonight. winner. Wow. She was great. She's the a star. The ESPN carnage. Right. All of a sudden, Wick was like, that's cool. I'll take the trophy presentation. Thanks, everybody. You know, and I, I appreciate, you know, one of her coworkers turning her into that star, giving her those opportunities. <laughs> she should have thanked her. Uh, some losers. We mentioned Bogdanovich. Although I guess he's a winner, know. too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could have won a title. Out. Imagine they, if they had had Bogdanovich, too. They would have been kind of amazing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you give him, let's give him. Connaughton's minutes? No, let's give him 15 P.J. Tucker minutes. Well, no, you're playing him like 20 to 30 minutes. minutes. Yeah, and, I, and 10 Connaughton minutes? Give him 30 minutes? God. And he's like kind of, he's such a perfect complimentary guy because he can handle enough to get himself out of a bad possession, but then he can shoot it. He can bring it up. You could spare Drew a little bit. Man. DiFincenzo's a loser tonight, even though he won the title. Because then it, it sucks. Because it's like, I got hurt. It's going to hurt my team. And then they win the title anyway. But now he can talk himself into the, well, we'll be better next year because I'm back. I want to take a, a a graduate course at Villanova and finds out what happens to white guys there. Because <laughs> I'm fascinated with every white hooper from Villanova. Yeah, they look like they're in a Showtime video about an aspiring rapper. Uh, 
Thanasis. Thanasis is a loser because I don't know what he would have been capable of tonight in a 50-point Giannis title clinching game from a bench cardiac arrest. Bench from a bench guy standpoint, I think it would have been the new standard. You think like you go back to the days of Mark Madsen and Jack Haley and some of the things we've seen in the past. I think Thanasis would have I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what he would have been like. They might have had to throw water at him a couple of times just to calm him down. Because if he had not been in a uniform, they would have been like, whoa, dude. (laughs) (laughs) They would have turned the overhead overhead casino light on him. Um, Aiton? Uh-huh. He's not in my top 20 anymore. Oh, no Yeah, I've downgraded him to the low 20s. Yeah. Who did he fall behind? And he he just off off the top of your head who he's now behind? I'm just putting somebody (laughs) ahead of him. Booker Kobe comparisons, I feel like took a huge hit. Yeah, those, I don't know if the B legendary story is going to carry the same weight anymore for Mark Jackson. I had problems with the B legendary story prior to this series, but um, to saying he's next Kobe, to saying Booker's top ten. Booker finally had to say, "Stop comparing me to Kobe. I'm not yeah. Kobe. Please stop." Yeah, yeah, that's tough. You know the comparisons have gone sideways when the guy in the comparisons like, "Please stop. Please, I beg you." Uh, last loser, my dad, who what? texted me when Giannis had like 47 points. We took a Linux. That was his quote. <laughs> that was his text to me. <laughs> my dad, getting retroactively upset about the 2013 draft. Not one person was upset that the Celtics didn't take Giannis in 2013. No, not But one. now my dad brings it up. That retroactive selfishness, like that's, I, I don't like the myopic woe is me stuff. I love your dad, but that's a very... That's just, you know, whenever you go through old drafts, you're like, oh, we could have had Tony Parker. And you're like, all right, got it. So could have everybody else. Here's the case for why they should have taken you on this. Who, the Celtics? Yeah, they were in, they knew they were rebuilding. And it only the, took, it, this is the longest it took us to get to the Celtics. Topic. Well, no, this is, they knew they were building. They're about to gut the team for the Pierce KG, send those guys to Brooklyn trade. Right. And they know they're starting over. And that might've been the case. Could you play him with Gerald Wallace though at the same time? <laughs> Maybe that's why they backed off. It was like, yeah, those guys are redundant. Uh, Yeah, I thought that was funny. I forgot to mention as a winner, Bobby Portis. Great crazy guy performance by him. Yeah, I loved his couldn't get a technical, losing your mind, and Middleton being like, hey, we're trying to win the finals right now. Yeah, can you stop? Can you not not be crazy? Do this in February. But uh, I'll, I'll give me all the Bobby Portis chips because I would love to have that guy on my team coming off the bench, especially because he can shoot. Like, this isn't just some energy big guy get you some rebounds and whatever. Like, and his confidence, you know, it's not too damaging, but there's some there's some real confidence in there that is is maybe just below the point of, like, screwing you up. Right. So, not a perfect player, but if he's coming off your bench, I think we saw it throughout the playoffs, especially because he was, Bud was done with him. On a scale of one. He remained engaged. On a scale of one to 2003, Steven Jackson. On the productive crazy guy scale. Um, I think it was like a, like a five and a half from what I was expecting. Yeah, right. I, I hope you weren't going to have that be too high. No, it was because, like a five and a half. Yes, but he, he was huge tonight. What did he finish with tonight? I got 14. my dog excited just now. Yeah, he, uh, he was six for 10, 16 points. And actually played good defense a couple of times one-on-one against guards that seemed like Which they thought they are going to beat him. looked like an uh, absolute recipe for disaster in the beginning. So, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things, too, is just the adjustment of, like, 
picking up Chris Paul. And then it was like, okay, so now you don't want to have Chris Paul bring it up every time. So you can have Booker do it. So now we're going to do it with Drew Holiday here. And that, that really was, you know, they were just letting Phoenix set up their offense and taking their pick of three different ways they were going to torch him. Yeah. And once they've kind of figured that out with effort and, you know, remember we, we said it after the first game or two, like Drew may have to turn into like Della Vadova here in 15, where it's like, hey man, you're going to have to like die out there. <laughs> from exhaustion now Drew yeah. didn't exactly go to that level and have to get an IV he's also a better player a much better player than Della Vadova but that's I mean look there's a million different things we can say hey this is important this is important this is important but Milwaukee figuring that thing out we're like hey we're not going to just let you do whatever you want and set up offensively which you would think you wouldn't have happen for that long in game over it took him a couple games to figure it out and then you know Giannis with the clincher uh, we're going to take one more break and then come back and talk about uh, next year This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. The experts at eBay know that inspecting every tick of your next watch is time well spent. When you see the blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that every tick of your next timepiece is authentic. Time and time again, every movement inspected, every crown checked, and face verified. eBay dedicates time to the details, and with Authenticity Guarantee, they've got your back. Shop with the same confidence you'll feel when you put on that new timepiece. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Viator. Traveling is all about getting out there and experiencing something new and fun. I had this when I went to Sweden last year. I had to go for Spotify, rolled the dice. I was going alone, had some work friends there that say it. And I'm like, what's going to happen? Get there. Haven't been to Stockholm ever, walking around, having a great time. Just just immersed myself in a totally different culture. Really memorable. memorable. I remember like a hundred different things about it. If you want to make your next trip memorable, you need Viator. It's a website and app that will help you book fun experiences and adventures all over the world. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences in over 190 countries, and it's flexible. They have free cancellation. They have various payment options. 24-7 service, and you can browse millions of reviews from real people so you can make sure you're booking the best adventure for you. They offer all kinds of adventures from simple walking tours to more extreme thrilling adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So that's one app that's over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Download the Viator app now. Use the code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. That's V-I-A-T-O-R with the number 10. Okay. So let's fast forward to the 2021-22 season, which will be relatively normal, I think. Giannis will have the crown. He will be the best guy in the league when we start the season next year. He has to be considered that. It will be Giannis's league, and then we'll have a backlash to people saying it's Giannis's league. We'll see, we'll see him do it when everybody's there. When everybody's healthy. Yeah, we'll, this, yeah. we'll see him beat Brooklyn with the other guys there. We'll see him beat the Lakers with now that they've Kyle Lowry and all of, the, all of those things. But we'll head into next year with, with it being Giannis's league. I assume they'll bring back P.J. Tucker. I don't know what the money will be. DiFincenzo will come back. They'll have... Uh, they're going to have to get two more guys, I think, because they're, they're not going to be able to win next year's title with this year's team. They'll have to get, I think, a little bit better because Brooklyn will be better. Philly will probably trade Ben Simmons for Dame Lillard, I'm guessing, and a bunch of stuff at some point. I'm guessing it'll be Dame Lillard and Joel Embiid on Philly. 
You think so you're that confident to I'm say that right now? Gets, I don't know that I'm there with you on the. If Portland Dame gets party. traded, I think it's Philly. Um, you have Atlanta, which we know will be better. We'll see how, what happens with John Collins. Celtics. More Pritchard minutes, so they're going to be better. Celtics, Pritchard. The Pritchard science is already happening. I saw some really good Instagram videos in. There's some talk, TJ McConnell, just 48 minutes of Pritchard and McConnell. It's going hard. I don't know if that'll go over well in Boston. Um, Knicks. Knicks, we'll see. But the Bucks will be number two favorites. In the East, I still think Brooklyn will be ahead of them. Brooklyn will definitely be ahead yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, well, we, the thing with Brooklyn is we don't know who else is on the team other than the three guys in Harris. Well, it it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't think it'll matter. But again, it'll be on paper. But on paper, the Nets group, we already played this game Kyrie before. hasn't had a normal start-to-finish season since, since 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Or 2017. So One on paper, they will be. You're right. I mean, there's there's still a little doubt there. But look, anybody, that's not like a hater thing to do to go, all right, well, let's see what happens when we don't have an unprecedented back-to-back set of circumstances here in the season. But here's what I think is really important about Milwaukee is that, you know, if this if this is 2019 bucks in the finals, and granted, you know, Giannis is is more capable now despite what the numbers are, you know, being down 0-2 and this team not, doubting themselves because they had the disappointment against Toronto. They've had the series against Miami. They got to kind of exercise those demons against Miami where there were people wondering like, Hey, maybe Miami sneaky, kind of a tough out. And there was literally nothing on paper that told you Miami was going to give them any problems whatsoever. Yeah. And they smashed them. So they exercise that and it's, they move on from it. But, um, I think that's, that's kind of part of this coming. So like the fact that the group has this continuity and now they've gone through some wars together. And it'd be great be for Middleton. Right. Like, like, I think Lowry was at a different point of his career after 2019. Even you saw it in that Celtic series a year later. Like, Well, now you actually worried about him, where yeah. for many years you were like, oh, is Lowry... Will he man? show up tonight? Yeah, will he show up? Or, I mean, really early playoff Lowry? Like, he'd get so frustrated that you were like, okay, well, he's done. Now you don't have to it's worry about it. It's a really important point that when you win a title, it can really transform a guy's identity who's like a really good guy, not a great guy. Something can shift. I think it's going to happen with Middleton. There's a confidence thing that happens when you know that you've been able to do it on a stage like the one we had tonight, where at some point it's like, we don't want to go back to Phoenix. There's 10 million people watching this game. You kind of find out, you know, what's inside you. And I, I feel like they found that out. So uh, from a Phoenix standpoint, <sighs> they got to resign Chris. And he's still going to get paid. He's still going to get paid a ton. Uh, I don't know how they're going to play it with the opt-out. And then... I swear, if I'm Sarver and you're asking me to fork over 120 for three years to run this back with a guy who's already made history... I don't know if it's going to be that ...by much. the production. 100 for three? I would think it would have been like... I always think of like what a number that makes sense is and then just add like 10 to 20%. Right, because that's, that's the basketball. Basically yeah. what, what happens. So if it's three... But it all depends on like what he wants to do with the opt-out. Does he keep the big number and then add the two years? But I think with the over 38 rule, he's actually limited. I have to go back and look it up. But I still think they he's going to get paid. paid. And, and, and look, with the Aiton and Bridges bill due and all this stuff with Paul, like you can't be Sarver and have been cheap, but yet you still have to pay 90% of the cap, right? Yeah. So you got to pay somebody anyway. So you might as well just pay all the guys. So like when I've heard stuff like, hey, Sarver's not going to do that and pay all these different guys, the four guys, um, 
Listen, I would he think didn't you do just, it when they had a chance to win a title for four straight years in the 2000s. But that's just fa- a fact. So you think so, he? You think he'll let like? You think he'll get I don't, cheap I'm not, with Chris or not? I'm not making predictions. I'm just saying he has not proved to us that he's willing to spend real money. And the new TV deal is going to kick in what in four years, which supposedly is going to be triple. And you still have to pay ninety percent. I, I, like if he goes cheap on this to like have just cheaper pieces add up to something that's below the tax. I don't know, man. I don't know either. Phoenix, but, you're right, though. I mean, I'll tell you their this, best though. chance is done. Their best chance ended. Yeah, because you have. Week. We know the Warriors are going to be there next year. We know the Lakers will be back. We know Murray will be back at some point. I still um, think they would beat Denver with Murray. I do. Maybe, but we we also know Denver is probably going to get better in a couple of different ways. Like Porter, Porter be might be better. Yeah, they might have. They might take that Millsap money and put that somewhere toward a guy who can actually really help them at the end. Well, games. Aaron Gordon, they have to make a decision on. I'm assuming he comes back, right? Well, I think it's, is it, is it one year left on it? Right. But they kind of have to shit or get out the pot because if you right. don't think you're bringing them back, it's kind of like where the Celtics are with smart. If you're bringing them back, if you're going to give them an extension, you got to do it now. If you don't want to give them the extension, you should trade them now. Yeah. So it's one or the other. Unless um, you don't like any of the trades and you go, okay, well, our best chance is just go ahead and do this. And then Utah. Uh, yeah. One more, one more. Yeah. And I think Utah is a complete wild card. No, they're going to win 50-plus games. And Mitchell, if he's healthy, they're going to be really no, good. No, I'm talking like an off-season wild card. You mean this off-season or next off-season? I think they're an off-season wild card this off-season. You think I don't they think would... they can bring back the same team. Okay, but, I mean, there's there's two choices, really. I mean, Bogdanovich doesn't really move the needle. Ingles is a nice player. Clarkson, whatever. I mean, they got they, they got him for second-rounders, so it's not like the market for him. Um, Rudy? I don't know what the Rudy market would be, man. I mean, whenever I'm asked about it, I just assume that they're going to bring everybody back, win their 50-plus games, be really interesting all regular season long, and then... I don't know if I would pay Conley more than... That's the big thing. $10 million, $12 million a year, something you're like gonna that. You're going to have to. I don't, don't know if I have to. I think there's a lot of point guards in the league. Their their bill is huge, I think. I don't think that... I don't, I don't see them spending on Conley. But yeah, I think Phoenix had their window and that's it, unfortunately. All right. So before we set the sun on a basketball season, we head toward the the draft, which we'll be doing the draft together next week. Um, Are we? Well, yeah, we're doing something that Thursday. Okay. Night. Yeah. You want to give me a heads up? Yeah, I think we did. I don't think we did. Yeah, I think we did. You, me and KOC right afterwards. Right after or during? Might, That's what we said. Both. Yeah, something. I think we should do during. Because remember might last year, everybody complained about the coverage and we were like, why don't we just do our own thing and be live from first? Like, well, that's way more interesting to have us on at the beginning of the draft during it than wrapping it up after 60 picks. Let the listeners, let the listeners let them tell decide. Us. Yeah, let them decide. Tell, go into Russell's Twitter replies. Um, no, before we fine. put a bow in the we season, though. Draft stuff? Chris Paul? I thought we just did Chris Paul. No, just, do you want to say goodbye? This is quite a run for you and him and... Yeah, you know. Just any last last thoughts, closing parting shots? I'm conflicted because I feel great about the run. But, he was uh, good tonight. That helped the legacy. That helped, that helped me a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. I mean... Do you want to know where I have him historically now? I've remade my list. <laughs> How often do you do this list? Well, I would, now the finals is, is over. Is this family really yours? Are they huh? a stunt family? <laughs> this guy just like, yeah. We... Just moved a couple people around. I got Chris Paul 31. 
Did you? Move I have them, them as the last level three guy. I'm ahead of Stockton, but I can't put him level four because they didn't win the finals. You have him. I have him as the last guy in level three. Thirty. So where's where's the all time in point guards for you? Should I, you be updating these lists? I still every have day? Isaiah ahead of him. I still have Kuzi ahead of him. Even though, the, as Bob Ryan said, like the Kuzi thing, it's like another world. But you know, he's the one of the three most important players of the first twenty five years of the league has to be acknowledged. And then Oscar and uh, Steph, Steph, Oscar, Isaiah. Magic. I said Isaiah. Oh. I have Isaiah as uh, I have him at twenty seven, and then I have Giannis. Man, I had I had him 22. That's where I left today. Who's 21 and who's 23? So I have Barkley 25, Malone 24, Garnett 23. You have Malone ahead of Barkley? Yeah, it's longer career. I like listen, I had a whole chapter in my book about I know. it. It fucking That's killed me. But I just I just Malone You thought Peak Malone was better than Peak Barkley. He wasn't. But he he, was, he wasn't. Malone played almost 20 years. Yeah. Barkley was out of shape for you know, the last Even third of impressive. his career and Move all that up. stuff. I love Barkley. Listen, he killed me. I put him, I put Malone over Barkley and I put Kareem over, uh, Kareem and Magic over Bird. It fucking killed me. Oh, but, you got to do that. Um, but yeah, Giannis 22, right behind Bob Pettit and Doc and Elgin Baylor. But Giannis is going to, by the time this is, you could argue he might be in the Pantheon now after this. I mean, he's young. He's only had a few years. But what he did today, he's got to be in the Shaq, Hakeem, Moses conversation. It's just, you know, if it's, my thing is if his career ended today, would that be enough for him to be like one of the 15 best players ever? Probably not. 15? I mean, dude, yeah. he's 26. That's what I mean. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep him at 22. We're really bad when it, as soon as some stuff happens. Well, I have him at 22. Yeah, okay. And some room to move up. I remember when I did my book in 09, I had LeBron at 20 and it was like, it was too high, but I was like, how's I know other, LeBron's going to end up in the top 10. How's the other book going? Which one? That's it? You haven't written a book in 12 years? Yeah. My fingers don't work anymore. <laughs> I'm done. You have a better chance of writing a book. I want to read your book. I don't think many, well, I think people would want to read it. Tales from the two o'clock hot dog stands. <laughs> just start. That's, that's Hartford, horrible. The early 2000s. No, we'd just be like, all right, from Trenton to Hartford. A dream journey. <laughs> <laughs> Things are looking up. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, all right. White Lotus. Hey, no, watch. no, no. Five minutes on the draft. Oh, go. Five minutes on the draft. Yeah, let's do all 10 right, minutes look. on the draft. <laughs> Book Knight's the hottest name in the draft. Hot. Red hot. It's unbelievable. He's, the, he's in a nightclub getting asked out by 20 people. And seriously, they're, they're not charging him a cover. They're asking him to leave with cash. Yep. Uh, the top four has been the top four. The top five was the top five for a while, but I, I think Kaminga's, you know, in danger of not being picked fifth. Kaminga's going to go like ninth. I don't know if it's going to be that bad, but um, the the Kaminga stuff, as we said, it was polarizing guy. But Book Knight went from like, oh, you know, late teens. Oh, we could sneak in the lottery. And every time I talked to a team about him, it would just be like, you know, who I love his Book Knight. Yeah. You know, who's nasty as Book Knight. And I get it. He, I mean, he, I hate the cliche of like, oh, he's a bucket. He he can do all these different things. His Could right, he play tonight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And he would have played like honest, 30 minutes tonight. Honestly, he would have had an easier time in an NBA game because of the space and the fact that UConn team wasn't very good. Yeah. You know, like he missed eight games. They were 15 and five, I think, but they went four and four without him. I think the Warriors are going to take him seven. I, look, I thought I've, they were going to take him 14. Now they're just going to have to take him seven. That's the point is that like he's, is the as each week has gone along, 
book night has become somebody where like, I even had one team that was like, he might go five. And I'm like, all right. But this okay. happens every year. Remember Westbrook that year when usually, Westbrook was like 13, 15, But Westbrook 10, was still like a was hard four. guy to figure out. But he, there was no scenario where he was going to go four. And then all of a sudden he was four. Look, book night is into his off the ball stuff is like really spe- like the way he sets up cuts or the way he'll just try to get like free where he's like working guys. And that UConn team wasn't really that good. I'd like to just see it go in a little bit more. It just yeah. didn't. Like every time you'd watch him and everything he put together, and I wouldn't call him one of these guys that's like, hey, I'm going to take a three now because I'm just going to take one. And the shooting percentages went down from distance. But there is a, a toolbox of offensive moves from this kid. Yeah. And he measured out just below, like in the old NBA measurements, in the high 6'4 is almost 6'5. Jesus. So who do you compare him to? The Clarkson stuff isn't crazy, yeah, you know, because he's not going to pass a ton. He's not a combo, but he is somebody that, with space and better players, like he—he's just you can't stay in front of this guy. Yeah, the fakes, the shoulder feints, all the stuff he does with the ball, and he goes left with the strength and confidence as if it was his dominant hand, and then he'll get in there and floater and and the shot and the release and everything actually looks pretty good. It just it just didn't go in enough this year, so it depends on what you want to talk yourself into. And then Trey Murphy, the kid from Virginia who went to Rice, he was a three-star coming out. A Prototypical North, draft guy. North Carolina, no love, goes to Rice. Family was big on the academics, obviously, and then he, he blows up to 6'9". Now with Murphy, it's okay, he shot the hell out of the ball from three and he's 6'9". But do you think out of UVA's system where they're not going to ask him to do a ton of creating on his own because it's not what they do there, um, do you believe there's way more to his game? And so, like, I've heard Book Knight's workouts have been terrific. I've heard Murphy, the same thing. Um, and I think there's just teams out there that feel like the kid from UVA and Murphy is Well, he's somebody. the guy you immediately know what he is. Yeah, but I, I think the hope is, hey, is there a little bit more here? And then Duarte from Oregon, who just turned 24, he's... He's seems real... like he has a promise. They invited him to the draft. Yeah. And he's, he's not working out for anybody under like 17. Basically. I have, I don't know that I saw a kid and I did, you know, normally I do like 70 reports. I did 40 this year because we're probably only doing the first round on TV. But I don't know that I watched a kid of all the stuff I looked at that was as engaged every single possession as much as Duarte was. Every fucking possession that kid competed. So there you go. Those are the three names that like, so if Golden State ended up with Booknight and Duarte at seven and fourteen, are they better next year? Yeah, because I think both guys can play. Yeah, and I wonder, like Kispert's another one that could get at fourteen. I don't know why I'm so invested in Golden State. I just love Steph. But I was thinking, like, I like that you're worried about Steph more than anything else. Well, because there's no sixteenth pick. Well, I for love. You now. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I I want Steph to be good again. Um, I like looking at the ESPN 100. To see where some of these guys was it Lonzo are. like in the twenties once? Yeah, but sometimes it's interesting because so their 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 two thousand twenty had Jalen Green one, Cade Cunningham two. Oh, oh, Mobley recruiting three. stuff. Yeah, I thought you were talking about something else. No, the anyway. recruiting. Yeah, yeah. So this is heading into college. Green one, Cunningham two, Mobley three, Kaminga four, Barnes five, Jalen Suggs six. That's as accurate from a high school to an actual draft guide you know, parallel that I've seen because like, just look at the year before 2019 Wiseman's one Cole Anthony two, Isaiah Stewart three. Yeah. Big stew. I read about his new Anthony Edwards, RJ it, Hampton was, he has a new five. stew that I read about in hoops hype. I saw a link to it. Oh, no, so yeah. You love, you love the terrible hoops hype links. 
Um, Vernon Carey Jr. was sixth. Yeah, Duke kid. Shit like that. But one of the the reason I bring this up was there was a year where Scotty Lewis is pretty oh, high. Nico in there Mannion too. was nine. I like uh, look. Don't you don't you fucking say anything bad about Nico Mannion? I'm not. I like Nico Mannion. I'm just like I didn't realize he was that good of a high school. Oh player. no! Did you ever watch him in high school? No, he was I had no filthy. Idea. I mean, so that was, was just, a steal for the Warriors. They got well, him like 48. He's small, and I don't know so if he's going to shoot enough. Like, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. But Nico, Nico was the kind of kid who was so much better IQ wise than high school kids he was playing against. So like when you even watch, you watch him in some of the showcase stuff, you're like, well, that guy has a completely different approach to the game yeah. that you love compared to everybody else. I mean, Tyler Eulis is like the all time favorite approach to game guy that didn't pan out. But Tyler Eulis was also like maybe five, eight on a good day. Well, this is why I bring this up. I was looking at 2018 because I was fascinated by this Keldon Johnson thing. I'm like Team USA, Spurs love him. I'm like, where? What was this guy's background? I, I realized I couldn't remember it. He was the seventh guy in 2018. He went to Oak Hill, Kentucky. Like he really did have the pedigree. And I was watching that Team USA and I was so impressed because I know, you know, I love international basketball more than you. He was the one guy <laughs> moving without the ball. Everyone else is just like your turn, your turn, this my turn. Like Keldon Johnson's like back cuts and glue guy shit and I'm like what's I really like how this guy's playing dude can you realize the run of Kentucky players that you were like wait you had all these guys like what happened like these are That's down recruiting one. years but like think about it okay That's so you had one. you had Bam who yeah, you Bam. liked and then you're like wait a minute now I love this guy everybody would want Bam on their team Tyler Hero who obviously took a step back after like dominating bubble playoff hoops quickly um, and then quickly and Maxi yeah. when you were at Kentucky you're like eh I mean, look, I'm telling you, Isaiah Jackson is probably a lottery pick. Yeah. And what he may be, uh, the, the best projection of him may be that beyond the block shots where he he led the SEC, but, you know, there's some some fundamental stuff that he probably needs to do a better job, like understanding all the rotation. Oh, who cares? I mean, the kid's a really young kid. There's actually a shot in there that there's something to build on. He's super active. As soon as he gets to basketball, he's really, really quick. But he knows exactly who he is. So, like, if you're a team that goes, hey, look, our projection for him is higher, but we don't need him to be, like, 10 times better than what he is. He, we just need him to be an NBA version of the player that he's already at Kentucky. This is a really weird stretch of, like, three years with Kentucky players, three-plus years of, like, wait, none of these guys really did much there. And now they all seem to be really good pros. I mean, the fact that Maxie and Quickly are both dudes everybody would want now is kind of funny. Coach Cal, are we sure he's good? <laughs> I'm not going to go there. 2018, but. so Keldon Johnson's seventh. There, our top seven's epic. R.J. Barrett, Zion, Cam Reddish, Bull Bull, Romeo Langford. Yeah, Langford. Nasir Little, Keldon Johnson. That was their top seven. But then uh, Moses Brown was 15. I got fired up. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Celts. Chin two, up. Two of the top 15 in the 2018 <laughs> thing. That was the Avery Bradley deal. Yeah. Because he was a monster, you know, in the oh, recruiting yeah, stuff, right? second. Yeah, so with this one, um, the guys who were in in this recruiting top 100 versus how it played out, um, one that jumped out was Zaire Williams, who was eighth, who you're not a fan of. Not a fan of the Stanford stuff. I like this yeah. high school stuff a lot better. But at Stanford, it wasn't that great. But teams do like him. So, um, and, then, um, and they probably put more time into the high school stuff than I did. And then Keon Johnson was 28th, which is pretty far down. And Isaiah Jackson was 34th. And those guys have now climbed up and are in the mix. But I, I agree with you. I think the Kentucky guys, whatever, the, the way they get them ready to be NBA players, I think teams are now really starting to value that. 
the quickly thing. I think they always were. But no, I would say they didn't because Maxi and Quickly both fell like out of the top 15 last year. Yeah, but they didn't and quickly. Do as people much. made fun of. He was 25th. People were like, oh my God, terrible pick. You know, maybe the Kentucky guys are having a comeback, I guess would be my point. Yeah, but I mean, for stretch there, they were dominating the first round. So it wasn't yeah, like people well, they had better them. guys. It was right. Like maybe we're saying the same thing. The Towns guys. Um, any, any other draft stuff? I told you, I, if I was. There was somebody had a fake trade. I think it was either Hollinger or Chad Ford about Darius Garland in the three for Kate Cunningham. I would not do that if I was Cleveland. I'd rather have Darius Garland and Mobley than Kate Cunningham. Would you rather have Jalen Green and Garland? What do you mean? On the Cavs? Like, I'm just trying to, like, if Mobley were to go. It doesn't second. seem like Mobley's going second. It seems like the Rockets are taking a guard. Right. That's all the intel we have. It's the intel is that Mobley's going to be there at three, which I think is an unbelievable turn of events for Cleveland. I mean, they, they're going to have to survive two more years and 10 more Players Tribune pieces from Kevin Love until they buy him out. Um, but the Mobley, Larry Nance, some guards, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Kevin Love is like a strained calf for nine months. Sometimes these dudes that, I'll tell you, like I was thinking, because he's not that old. No. But you think like these dudes that have been in the circuit playing really since they were 10, 11 years old and playing these AU games. Like I have a couple of friends who do the eighth. You think they're playing seven games in a weekend. You know, the miles that you put on and you get into the league and by the time you're 32, you've been playing, you know, 20 plus yeah, hardcore how you, miles. How do you explain the other guys though that have extended their careers beyond? It wasn't like eight, you know, LeBron wasn't playing in a million games. I mean, well, the LeBron's an athletic freak. So are you Westbrook. saying should Kevin Love have stayed thick? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> maybe, he should, maybe he should have. Maybe he lost too much weight. But uh, yeah, Mobley. All right, White Lotus, and then we'll go. Okay, go. You go because you sent me the text and you said, "Hey, White Lotus, two episodes." Well, I know you like weird shows. I do. Uh, I personally, I love shows where I get to go somewhere. So oh. White Lotus, there's been two, two, two of them on HBO. But I like the Sandler movies where he goes, he goes to Hawaii. I like that weird couples retreat movie where they went to like Bora Bora. Yeah, Vince Vaughn. I like, yeah, I, I like going places in movies, especially during the pandemic when we couldn't go anywhere. So, I've never thought of it that way. And it's actually not. It's great. Is that where you like Hot Dog the Movie, that series? So Hot much? Dog the Movie is great. Skiing. I like being on a ski mountain. Yeah, yeah, I like going places in my movies. I like movies set in Greece. The Shining. I watched a movie called Monday with my wife recently where it was uh, this couple has like a two week relationship from hell. And it's set in Greece and there's just a lot of Greece shots. It's like, cool. I feel like I'm going to Greece. So White Lotus, I get to go on vacation, which I really like at this nice resort. And I get to By the way, you know, see all the there. weird people. What's the name of the resort? It's uh, the the Maui, but it's it's called something else. Because I don't know if they're shooting it differently in the lobby and then the beach. Because the oddity is, is like whatever that Four Seasons is, yeah, you would think like oh, this must be the most amazing beach ever. And when you look at the beach scenes, it's it's the beach that I was at because yeah. it's actually like pretty underwhelming. The resort is insane. It's awesome. There's no complaints. But of all the different beach options that you have in sections of Maui, that beach is actually, I mean, this is like a real first word problem here, but you're well, that's like, the whole point of the show. Right, right. But they don't, when you look at the beach shots of the show, you're like, wait, is that, is that yeah, a, little doing a little mix and match? Is that a little underwhelming? Yeah. And it is because, again, the resort was amazing and I'd recommend it to anybody. So that was kind of cool for me because I was like, oh, wait, I've, I've been like, I know that lobby. I know that desk. I know 
not that room. I didn't have the uh, I didn't have the pineapple suite. But. The pineapples, I love. The, <laughs> All right, the, so go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. The wet privilege stuff is hilarious. <laughs> the guy just being so furious he didn't get the honeymoon suite. The he paid for Steve's it. Steve's on and Connie Britton's family. How she Connie Britton's is super successful, whatever the, uh, business CEO. And Steve Zahn is like one of those, my family, it's so great. His daughter hates him. His son's like in the kitchen, just a complete fuck up. It's just this classic, like everything seems great on the surface, but it's so not. I love movies or TV shows that tap into that. Uh, I've always had Alexandria Daddario stock going way back. I'm always, I won't sell I'm always it. Always no, for I'll I've, never sell it. I love her. It's like Mookie Betts. <laughs> yeah. It's like Mookie I mean, Betts. Think would, about this. I think I the draft. follow one female actress on Twitter. <laughs> And I think I've followed her for like six years. And a she's lot of it's just rooting yeah. for her. I've seen every movie she's been the, in. The tweets are generally a couple observations here or there, <laughs> a dog thing, her mom getting on her case. Like, I kind of feel like I know her, which is, I'm going to stop talking now at some point, but she's probably the only one I've ever followed. And I already feel bad for two episodes in. I remember I'm only yeah. two in. So, and I'm like mad about the guy she's married to because he's like straight out of central casting, dickhead. Yeah. Just northeast. I mean, he's kind of like a more he's a good educated actor, Jake Lacey. Yeah, he's awesome at it. Like he immediately, the casting director for this, she did a great job too, by the way. Um, so like that. shout out for the casting director. That was, but some that of these casting great. directors are just so good. Well, they, my girl, Connie Britton, who I've okay. been with through. Hell and high water. Did you see I'm Dirty John? Her. I support. Of course, I saw Dirty John. I felt so bad for a Dirty John. Um, listen, I support her. I no just one, want her to be happy. If you ever had a ticket to pay out Connie Britton and Stifler's mom being in the same TV <laughs> show, that was an impossibility. Because I was like, wait, what's going on? Like, she, Connie Britton looks fantastic. I even gave Nashville a season just because I like Connie Britton. I read the show. I read the pitch doc for Nashville. That was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty, pretty fascinating. Anyway, she's really good in this. Yeah. All right, Jennifer so, Coolidge, good to see her again. And then, the, yeah, and then it's another thing that these these limited series do, where it's like something happens. We know there's a dead body coming back from this hotel. Who is it? Yeah. So now we're solving as we're watching it. We're looking for clues, which is really smart. I just think it's a really good show. I like it. The music makes it's like a Talking Heads jam session. Yeah. While you're watching these scenes that add this tension, and it's not even close to the same thing, but like the first time you watch There Will Be Blood, it's it's an investment of like, okay, this is going to be a different movie experience yeah. because you've got Daniel Day-Lewis at the top of his game and then you have this just weird drawn out story, but then you have this music that's intentional, but it's not supposedly matching everything. And sometimes it is. And it's the guitarist, I believe, from Radiohead. And I think they won an Academy for that. I, it was yeah. like a really big deal. But the music wasn't there to make you comfortable and to like build this. It was always to like kind of throw you off. It's chaotic. Yeah. yeah. And that's what the music does here. So that part of it. And then is it Mike White, the creator? Mike White from Chuck and Buck. Chuck and Buck, who I went and started going All back. All-time weirdest movies and ever. I, so I started watching scenes from Chuck and Buck where he's obsessed with his friend. It's an unbelievable and people movie. Are like he, this guy that acted in Chuck and Buck, who then creates the show 20 years later, like you can sort of see like, all right, if you're that good creatively as an artist, then you he know, did enlighten too, which a lot of people yeah, like, right. I, I never loved it. But. So I have a question for you though. I love this show. There's two other things. And I'll go with this one first. Cause I come over to your house. I haven't seen your family in a long time. And you know, I had a gift for Ben. Yeah. And I like, I really like your family and you know, Ben's, 
he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, he just doesn't care. And it was like, yeah, guys, beat it. And he closed the door on us. And I go, hey, it's just like White Lotus. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I was like, that's why you love the show. Because the Connie Britton family part of it with the daughter and her friend and then the, the creepy My younger brother. My each other a lot more than the White Lotus family. Yeah, right? but it was the instincts of the way it's written and the way the family plays out all these scenes where like the father wants to connect because he feels great about himself. All of a sudden they're like, Hey dad, glad you don't have cancer. Now fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of the scene. well, And he's on the playing the video game. The son's playing the video game in the pool. The dad's trying to have the serious conversation with him. He's like, dad, hold on a second. I've got to pause my game. I have another question I need to ask you. Um, I just feel like in general, more dicks in shows and movies now. And I don't know if that was part of a movement where it was like, hey, this has just been an unfair ratio. And even though no one's actually wanted to see it, it's a, it's a just, dick we're just, direction. Yeah, we're just like, well, look, now we know no balls. one wants it, yeah, but we're, we're going to throw it all at you yeah. more often than not because the last few decades, the ratios, the pie chart of, of male-female nudity has just been off. So we're going to try to even that out a little bit. I I, uh, I think I just, I recognize it. You weren't ready for Steve Zahn's balls? No. I mean, an inspection, it wasn't just a flashing scene. I mean, we were in it. That was like a, a, I also a, love a the, steady cam. I love the girl from Euphoria who's a great bitch in this. Uh, Sid, the, the Sydney, friend? I can't remember her last name. Sydney, Ponsoon? it's like Sydney Stevens, something like that. Um, she's in Euphoria and she's really good in that show, but she's one of the two girls who they're doing the drugs and all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. She, she's just got a great bitch face and just like a good kind of, sizing somebody up and picking them apart without saying anything kind of move that I enjoy. Uh, I like when a bag of drugs gets found on the beach and uh, nobody knows where it came from. And good drug scene on the ketamine drugs, because solid drugs. they gave us their perspective of somebody who doesn't know you're on ketamine coming over yeah. to talk to you. Yeah. And they shot it in a really cool way where it was like, this is the worst. So but, you, you like the show. You're glad I made you watch it. I just think it's so well done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Alex there, her, she sells like every mood. I can't believe she doesn't do way more stuff like peak. Cause am I nuts or is she awesome? Listen, this has happened a couple times. Kelly Preston in the eighties, nobody figured it out. She was just on a series of 27 win teams and just people couldn't figure it out. Carla Gugino forever. People just, they never, she never found the right role. It's, it's sometimes it happens. Some t- people don't find the right finals team. But she was in True Detective and she was awesome. And should have been like a major star after True Detective. And then she was in that movie with The Rock where it was like an earthquake and she was fine. Oh, San Andreas. She's with Carla Gugino. That was when the torch gets passed. Yeah, but that's, that doesn't sound like it's the, the right torch. No, but it's just the, now you are the Carl Anthony Towns the of actresses. Yeah, it's like one of those things. Just sometimes you just need the right role. She's... She's terrific in this because the husband's such a clown and she plays off of it perfectly. We did a Legally Blonde rewatchables two weeks ago. I missed that one. Reese got caught <laughs> at this point post-election where it's like you're the grown-up child actress. Election was this really defining character. But now I have to start doing adult roles and she like, can't get a... She has to audition over and over again to get this Legally Blonde role because they're kind of not by it. They think it's done. You have these four, but she ends up getting it. And then the next phase of her career kicks off. My point is, um, it hasn't happened for our girl, Alex, yet. Maybe this will be it. Could be this podcast. 
Maybe the, maybe maybe it's a pod. I guarantee there's people out there listening. Like, yep, thank God somebody's finally saying it. You should have her on for rewatchables. That'd be great. Just just not even do a movie. Just be like, what's going on? <laughs> why, are, why are you getting better parts? All right, Allison calls you up. She's like, hey, she wants to come on and promo the Inner White Lotus. Like, hey, so what's your deal? How's your what's mom your doing? Who's your agent? Can you get another one? What's your script reading process? Is CA not calling you back too? <laughs> uh, anyway, four, only four episodes left of these. I love this whole world we've entered where these six to eight episode limited series, you just throw yourself into a world. It's more impactful than a movie. You get to talk about it and then it's gone. You move on to the next thing. Yeah, and you also, I mean, you don't have to worry about like, What's the season two, three, and four? Are what are the seasons where you're delaying the end that you came up with when you really were only thinking about right, the not fact. five seasons, all the extra ones? I just read uh, Breakfast of Champions by Kurt Vonnegut, and yeah. I, I know I was a huge Vonnegut guy when I was younger, so you know we're removed from it. So I was like, let me go back and dip my toes in this. And reading Breakfast of Champions again, it was it was even better, which I was a little surprised because I think when you're younger, you're so impressionable by art for the first time. You're like, oh my god, what are all these crazy like? And Vonnegut has this awesome line. And he's like, I think we're obsessed with death because it's a great way to end a TV show. <laughs> Either that or somebody like, has a baby. He's like, I think people shoot each other so much in the country because we see it a lot on TV, which is really the best way to end a show. Right. It was like such a, like it wasn't, it had nothing to do with the storyline really, other than it was just a random observation I'm going to throw in there. And that's why I think these limited series, you just go, hey, here's the world that we're going to live in. Here's the end. And now you don't have to force me to come up with like 16 to 20 extra episodes that I didn't really think about when I thought of the idea in the first place. Yeah, maybe Mary Easttown comes back as season two. She's just coaching. I asked Inglesby about it because I was like, how do you? And I got to censor him. He was just like. he's done. He's moving on. Because he knows there's almost no win in it for me. They tried to do it with Big Little Eyes season two and it sucked. Did it? Yeah. I love the first season. Yeah, they they were like, is there anything else here? And there really wasn't. I also watched. Um, over the weekend, Dr. Raising Canaan, Doctor Death on Peacock, eight episodes. Good. What is it? It's this this real story. I think it it's was Raising Canaan. Podcast. By the way. Sorry, Raising Canaan. I'm not sure. Go ahead. It was a, it started as a podcast. It was about this uh, doctor in Dallas who might have been a murderer. Oh, so Doc, either incompetent sur- surgeon or a murderer. No, it's a TV show. Josh Joshua Jackson as the doctor. Alec Baldwin and Christian Slater as two other doctors trying to bring him down. Eight episodes. Kelsey Grammer comes in for a Alec couple. Baldwin's almost an automatic for me. I the Alec Baldwin and Slater together. I'm like, you guys get me. Although Alexander Daddario not in this show, unfortunately. She could have right. played like the DA or somebody. But that one, Dr. Death, I think you would like that one. I like evil doctor shows. I don't think they've spent enough evil doctor, evil lawyer shows. Somebody they were supposed to making make- the law or the medicine in the wrong hands. They were supposed to make Devil in a White City into a movie, right? Did you ever read that one, Eric Larson book? Uh-uh. So it was the, it's a true story about this guy who's like a serial killer, but he was also like burning people in these like different chambers that he had right Jesus. around the Chicago World's Fair. And I thought DiCaprio was supposed to play the guy at some point. You know what I watched? What? Just finished up Big Timber. What's that one? Reality show, Netflix. I loved it. Logging. I could see myself doing that one day. Just Logan? clearing a bunch of fur, cedar, hemlock. You got It's a lot to get in on the equipment, though. Well, you went to Vermont and you were doing like log cabin for like what two and a half weeks. No, I built. I helped build a a little. Where are we living now? I was driving down from Burlington. Ah, right. 
So it wasn't like you weren't Robin Williams and insomnia in Alaska, like 20 minutes away. No, from it's not. Day. It's not that cool. But yeah, I can swing a hammer, put on a little Almond Brothers, you know, take it in, deep breaths, clean air, good living. That's a good promo for next week. So we'll decide whether we do a live during the draft show. I think we should. Or right after the first round show or both. I say we do the first round and then we do a wrap up 30 minute pod while the second round is going. That could be fun. All right. I'll see you next week. Giannis, Bucks fans, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, everybody. Congratulations. Coach Bud. Good finals. We were so worried about this being like maybe, you know, the, uh, the finals with the suit with the non superstar finals, basically. And it turned out we got one of the great superstar performances of all time. So there you go. Ryan Rosillo, good to see you. Thanks. Uh, Kyle Creighton produced this podcast. I will be back with one more podcast on this feed on Thursday. You'll have at least, you'll have one more this week, right? One more this week. Dan Patrick, an hour of conversation with DP. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So there you go. We will uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening.